Blog Talk Radio. Sunday here on a Monday, Luis Sanchez and Erica Ayala joining you here on uh, MyW Sports Sports Sunday, and it's always a pleasure to get you caught up on the weekend sports. We had a very, very busy week, a lot of hockey action, which EA, I know you're pretty excited about. Just a little bit, but we'll get to that. Uh, I want to make sure <laughs> to enjoy the uh, segment. Absolutely. So we have some NCAA uh, hockey frozen four. Those uh, those four teams are all set. NWSL preseason has gone underway starting today. NWHL regular season, uh, an exciting finish to the year yesterday. So a lot to talk about there. Uh, as EA alluded to, we'll get to that in just a moment. NCAA basketball, the field of 64 has just been announced, and we'll get you live reaction here from Erica and myself. Uh, on that coming up. No Kyle today, so I'll, I'll handle the fun fact of the week, but this week's fun fact of the week was uh, Sidney O'Hara became the fifth player in Division One softball history to hit four home runs in the game. That was on Friday against NC State and EA. I think that's top player Tuesday nominee category. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, NC State, uh, you never want someone to, to get go four for four, let alone go yard four times. <laughs> so uh, I think I think O'Hara earned that uh TPT nominee nomination, excuse me. Absolutely, and we'll we'll kick it right over to you, EA, to get this underway. Let's go. What's going on around the league? Sure. So we'll do a little bit of basketball. Uh, First and foremost, let's congratulate Dawn Staley. She was named um, the USA basketball head coach through 2020. So that's going to be World Championships as well as the Tokyo Olympics. Um, You know, I know it was probably a surprise to everyone when it was announced that the press conference would be at the University of South Carolina, where, of course, of where, of course, excuse me, Don Staley is the current head coach of the the Gamecocks. But um, so congratulations to Don Staley. She's looking to bring some more hardware to her repertoire and to Team USA, this time as a head coach. Also in basketball news coming from the New York Liberty just today, we heard that Tanisha Wright has joined the ranks of players uh, like Angel McCautry, who will be taking off the 2017 season. Tanisha, definitely a veteran of the WNBA as a whole and, and a huge part for the New York Liberty in their run last season. But she's going to be taking some some time off. And as you mentioned, NWSL preseason rosters were released. Um, and so we will have more as that unfolds with the preseason games coming up. Yeah, exciting time. Also, the NWSL released some, or NWSL teams released some of their preseason schedules, EA. Uh, it's going to be exciting to watch these teams kind of take on the preseason as we get closer to uh, opening day in the NWSL. Yep, I think there was a lot of conversation as some of the national team players departed for Europe, but there's a lot of talent, a lot of young talent still in the league, so I think it's going to be an exciting season. Absolutely, a lot of, a lot of great, uh, great things coming from the NWSL this season. We can't wait to start covering it as soon as it comes. But let's get right into hockey. EA, we had uh, the end of the CWHL last weekend with the Les Canadiens in Montreal winning the Clarkson Cup. Now we approach the Isabel Cup playoffs as uh, the regular season of the NWHL wraps up. We had Buffalo take on Connecticut, and this game had implications for the playoffs because the winner of this game would claim the three seed and potentially avoid Boston. Uh, uh, in in the first.
first round of the semifinals of the Isabel Cup playoffs. So in, in this matchup, we saw a great contest. Buffalo jumps out to a 3-1 lead. Uh, then Ke- Kelly Stack sort of single-handedly brings back uh, the Connecticut Whale, scoring two goals in less than five minutes to tie the game at three. Uh, unfortunately for Connecticut to come back just short as she and Dar- uh, Dark Angelo, excuse me, uh, she scored the game-winning goal with under five minutes remaining. Uh, this was a 4-3 final EA. Bo- both teams went 0-5 on the power play. It-, it-, it became a goaltending battle in that last period. What were your thoughts of this game? Well, unfortunately, I didn't get to see this game, so I'm only looking at the, the live stats sheet. Um, not surprising to see this battle, as you mentioned, not only probably, but definitively, the number three seed would not have to see the, um, at the time, undefeated Boston Pride. And uh, that was something that both of these teams obviously wanted to avoid. Um, you know, we saw a good battle. This was actually um, a rematch of the opening round of the Isabel Cup, the first ever Isabel Cup, um, where it was the Connecticut Whale um, that were upset at the time by the the three seed. And in this, this matchup, we have the Buffalo Buttes uh, gaining the three seed uh, over Connecticut, which means that Connecticut will travel up to Boston on Thursday for that opening game and the Buffalo Buttes, it'll be an all New York semifinal in of all places, New Jersey. <laughs> and this this was an interesting matchup. You saw Brianne McLaughlin get the start instead of Amanda Levier. Uh, Brianne in her last season with, with the NWHL and with the Buffalo Buttes. So is this sort of kind of a great way for her to go out? Kind of She made 30, 35 saves in this matchup. Um, she, you know, her team's kind of steering in the right direction. Um, do you do you see any potential potential here with Buffalo? I mean, Buffalo is a, definitely a dangerous team. As I just mentioned, they came in as the three seed and and were able to overcome in a three game series the Connecticut Whale, who was at the time the, the number two seed last season. So there's a lot of history here. As far as Brianna McLaughlin, you know, there were murmurs, or she said herself actually at the All Star during All Star Weekend, I should say, that you know she had considered retiring after last season, but really didn't like. Um, you know, how things ended in that Isabel Cup final, again, in Newark, New Jersey. Um, And she wanted to give it another go. And I think this season with Amanda Levier and her, I think both have struggled at times. Uh, I think um, Brianne McLaughlin has put up some really good games. Um, Unfortunately, didn't always have an offensive presence in front of her. Um, So I will say that I, I think Brianne McLaughlin, there's two ways of thinking about it if I'm her. One is that, you know, she was able to secure that number three spot and be in net, and that's where you want to be when you're a veteran, um, when you're a competitor. And she was able to be in net and help her team do that. And maybe that'll spark some fire going into the playoffs. And, you know, who knows? She says she's done, but are you ever really done? I don't know. Uh, or on on the um, opposite side of the coin, maybe, you know, I guess the term unfinished business, the the term no regrets is kind of thrown around. Maybe this is the beginning, again, of a playoff run where Bria McLaughlin can, you know, say, I've given it what I've got uh, and I'm ready to do other things. So I guess we'll see what happens um, on Friday for Buffalo and, and Bria McLaughlin. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that playoff preview in just a moment. But before that, we got to talk about the teams that they're going to play. And the two teams that secured the one and the two seed, respectively, were Boston and New York. Boston, the number one seed, coming into this weekend uh, undefeated. And the New York Riveters uh, blew a lead last weekend against Boston. And it seemed like EA in this matchup, they weren't going to let that happen. Uh, so there's a, a scoreless first period. And then New York jumps out to a 2-0 lead. Janine Weber uh, and Malika McMillan, they score to give the Riveters a 2-0 advantage. As, as a Rips fan and, and being able to cover the game, what were your thoughts immediately when, when this lead took place? Well, first, I just want to remind all of our faithful listeners about the conversation we had last week. I have been confident going into these last two, maybe even three games against Boston that New York was going to have they were they had put themselves in a good position to win against Boston. And I think we saw that. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the scoreless first period, but New York came out um, really firing. And then we saw Boston, you know, really wake up um, and, and put a lot more shots 
on net in the second and certainly in the third period. Um, but the New York Riveters were able to maintain their composure. And this game uh, took me back to um, to last season, the games against Boston and New York that are always very physical. And I think it was easy last season for people to say that the physicality was coming from, it was one-sided because the Riveters were the inferior team. And that was something that as a fan who wasn't yet writing, I heard a lot. But I didn't always necessarily see that when I was watching the games on the ice. And again, this was a physical game. Uh, everything from trips to chokeholds in this particular game. And you know, talking to the players after, um, it was interesting to hear. It's like, yeah, we're going to play physical. We're going to play aggressive against Boston because Boston doesn't like that. And I think the Riveters not only got under Boston's skin, but they got into their head. Um, and um, they were able to to overcome. Um, I think uh, Katie Fitzgerald, 44 saves on 46 shots. Absolutely amazing. That first goal by... Uh, Brianna Decker just, you know, it was a defenseman out of position. And there's just, I mean, you know, Katie Fitzgerald was blinded on that far side, far post. And uh, Brianna McLaughlin was right there. It was a beautiful power play goal right there. The second goal, Katie had a hold of it, um, or she thought. And Megan Duggan saw it sitting out there. And that's what that's what Boston will do. They'll just completely uh, continue not only to pepper shots on goal, but they'll continue to slap until they hear a whistle, which is a, a great aspect of Boston's game, and that's how Megan Duggan was able to get that goal. But Madison Packer, uh, speaking to Packer after the game, um, there are a few things that, that stood out to me from what she said. One is that, you know, she's on a power play unit with Amanda Kessel, and she said, rightfully so, people give Kessel a lot of respect, but Madison Packer knows what her strong suits are, and her team is setting her up right now uh, to get those goal line shots. And um, as the broadcast announcer for the Riveters games likes to say, she shoots from these impossible angles. Don't know how she gets it, but that's her bread and butter. She She's confident right there on the goal line, and, and so she's going to hover and wait until uh, her teammates can feed her the puck. So I liked what I saw from the Riveters. I think they were able to maintain their cool while also bringing the physicality that they're going to need to continue to do, not only against Boston, but as we mentioned, they're going to be playing the Buffalo Buttes, and uh, I think they are going to need to maintain that physicality while also staying um, within their game. Something, though, that we did see was that New York didn't even get a power play opportunity till the third period, uh, but I believe they were in the box at least six times before then. So that's something that New York is going to want to clean up, especially as they play Buffalo, who loves to be on the power play. That is where Buffalo is able to shine. You get Bozak given a blast from the point and, you know, bad things happen if you're the other team. Good things happen if you're in a Buttes jersey. So, and yeah, you mentioned a great point about last week. I also want to bring something up that you brought up last week was the fact that you were missing two players. <laughs> um, yeah. And it seemed like on the ice this week, those two players made a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. So uh, in being able to speak to Chad Wiseman at practice a little, you know, Madison Packer and Ashley Johnston, those were the players that were missing from the game up in Boston. And uh, it's, it's um, I was about to say it's a long season, but that's not quite the truth. Um, but it's a grueling, it's a grueling season. Uh, you're playing day in and day out. Uh, and or practicing. Um, and these are, the, this is the professional leagues. These are our physical games. And um, so I think both players just needed a little bit of rest to, um, to heal up some, some nagging injuries. Uh, but as you mentioned, I, I mean, again, Packer with the game winning goal, Ashley Johnston is one of the, I think her and Michelle Picard definitely on the Riveters um, I, I enjoy watching them play defense because they are so cool, calm, and collected, and they have uh, a presence there on, on D. And we could see that that definitely, um, you know, just that composure that not only Johnston, but also Packer in her own way are able to bring, um, I think that really suited and, and favored the Riveters, who, although they did sign Kelsey Kozler, she was not dressed. Um, unlike the Boston Pride, 
um, who did have um, their player that they signed, uh, you know, this new late late rule that we have um, because the Boston Pride are also missing a few players, Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you bring up the Pride because it, when we're looking at these, these games, well, at least when I'm looking at these games against New York EA, I remember back in August when we saw the 6-3 defeat and the 5-1 uh, victory of Boston beating New York. We sat there and we were like, well, New York's missing something. You know, they're missing they're missing that help on defense. And Katie, Katie really wasn't, you know, playing as well as she kind of uh, gr- has grown into. Uh, but starting on December 4th, it was a 3-2 game. Uh, then in January, it was a 2-1 game. In March, a 4-3 game. All Boston victories. So you, see, you kind of pictured New York this whole time growing and, and you know, as, I don't want to say idolizing Boston, but they saw Boston as that target and they wanted to knock them off. Um, and what a perfect, perfect, more perfect way to do it than at the end of the regular season when they're trying to wrap up, uh, you know, an undefeated regular season and go into the playoffs, New York takes this 3-2 victory. Uh, so I say that to say this. I think that New York has figured out Boston to this point, um, and that becomes very dangerous. And I know that they have to play Buffalo in the first round, um, but I think that that's a point to, to, that needs to be brought up here because when you look at what Ch- Chad Wiseman has grown this team to become, it looks like this is exactly his plan and it's playing out pretty well. Yes, I agree with that. Um, the New York Riveters have seen their bumps in the road just like any other team this season and they've had to adapt and I think particularly in the last month or so, uh, Wiseman and the rest of the crew have really um, focused on chemistry and focused more on what makes good sense for the team and what the role is. Kaylee Fracken um, she's, she's for all intents and purposes of a, a forward now for, for New York. Um, you know, so in Boston, another thing is that, um, you know, with Johnston out, uh, the, the Riveters were kind of short on that end. Um, but I think you need to con- continue to see, um, the Riveters do if, if they want to have a chance, not only to get through, Buffalo, but presum- pre- presumably, excuse me, uh, the Boston Pride in the final on the 19th is just continue to play a complete game. That's something that Wiseman wants to see. Um, he felt that they had spurts, but he wasn't satisfied with the second period that his team had. And so staying focused is going to be something that the New York Riveters need to do, especially because, again, Buffalo is a dangerous team. They are heartbreakers uh, in this league. I think they've, they've earned that reputation. And then the Boston Pride now, uh, I think Wiseman referred to it jokingly as poking the bear, you know. Um, Boston now is probably a little agitated. Um, and so they're, they're now going to be gunning for New York. So how dare you show me up? Um, but now for Boston, it's going to be – if Boston can stay composed. Um, there were lapses in, in the in the Pride's game, which honestly have been there all season. And I think people have focused so much on the record that they haven't broken down the play of Boston. Um, but there were just some things that definitely need to be cleaned up. And maybe if you're just focusing on the record, and I'm not saying that the Pride staff is doing this, but as, as an observer, if you're just looking at the record, it can be misleading. I think you need to really see some of the, the breakdowns. For example, Berniat uh, gave up that first goal and Janine Weber saw an opportunity and took it. It was very aggressive. So things like that, you, you can't have mental lapses like that as you're going into the playoffs. And I think there have actually been more of those as the Boston Pride has gone through the season and less of those for a team like the New York Riveters. I think the Buffalo Buttes and Connecticut Whale have suffered from inconsistency. I think we see at times their teams that can definitely get to the final. And other times they just, in Connecticut's case, they forget to play defense. Um, In Buffalo's case, they you know, get into trouble and and head to the box and give too many um, power play opportunities for the other team. 
that's a, that's a great leeway into into this playoff conversation. Where we're talking about what Boston has to do against Connecticut and what New York has to do against Buffalo. And I like what you said uh, about Boston's, you know, what they have to focus on. They are going to come hungry, but you also don't want to overlook Connecticut, especially after CT had a 4-1 lead, I believe, uh, against yeah. this team earlier this month or, or just in, in late February. They they show that the firepower is there with Connecticut. So let's let's break down this playoff matchup first, and then we'll get to the Buttes uh, and the Riveters. When you're looking at Connecticut, I, you know, is it Sinead Lumberg? Is it Nicole Stock? Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of the question there. But I also want to point this to you. Brittany Ott's given up six goals in her last two starts while uh, – um, oh, why am Slobodnik. I going to blank now? Uh, Slobodnik, yes. Uh, Slobodnik has been pretty phenomenal this season, not only at the start, but even recently uh, she had uh, a one-goal game um, this month. So, so, so just your thoughts on this goaltending mm-hmm. battle. What, what do you expect in this uh, playoff series? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Last week we talked about goaltenders and and we talked about, um, you know, who Calgary had. And they almost had the opposite problem of the problem that I think Connecticut and quite honestly something you alluded to that Boston may have. There's been inconsistency in net. Uh, Sinead Lundberg has been the goalie that's been charged with the last several games, Um, you know, got that win against, the Buffalo Buttes, but then suffered the two losses, um, uh, one against the Boston Pride. And I'm, I, actually, it might have been two against the Pride. And I'm forgetting the, the chronological order of the season, but um, I'm not really sure. I think there was a lot of um, conversation, you know, and that being on Twitter, um, about the fact that Lundberg maybe had a really short leash going in. Um, and I think she's been given the opportunity to, to kind of grow and really show what, what she's got. Um, I like Lundberg as a goalie, what I've heard. I think Anya has even said it when she is, um, when she is doing her broadcast duties is that maybe she gets a little more flustered than Nicole Stock, who can be cool, calm, and collected. I mean, we've seen, how many times have we seen uh, Nicole Stock get six goals scored against her in a game? Um, and she's just able to kind of keep her composure. And, and maybe, and she is, um, for all, again, for all intents and purposes, a captain of the Connecticut Whale team. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be tough, though, with Stock sitting the last several games to put her in net for um, – a semifinal game, although that is exactly what happened last season. Uh, it was unfortunately uh, Nicole Sack that got that loss in game three against the Buffalo Buttes. So I'm not really sure. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm leaning towards Nicole Stock though, for the start. Um, as far as Boston, you make a, another good point again, and I mentioned it, you know, Ott had some trouble and, you know, I don't want to argue too much with Kyle last week, but I don't know that Brittany Ott has shown, um, you know, too much of, of that best goaltender. I, I, I think this is something that I talked about a lot last season is, um, we don't, we, it's hard to say because Brennan has never faced the Boston pride, right? But even this season, she's still obviously not facing the Boston pride, but there've been little wrinkles and Slobotnik has had to come in and, and bail her out a few times, but then also Slobotnik has really worked through some of the difficulties that have happened in front of her um, for the Boston pride and been able to overcome them. Obviously until yesterday, uh, they still had their, um, unblemished season. So I'm leaning towards Slobotnik. That would be my choice for the Boston Pride, and I'm leaning towards Nicole Stock. What do you got, Lou? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on both, and I, I agree with Nicole Stock and Sinead Lundberg being kind of a toss-up because both really haven't been given an opportunity to, to get in a groove. Um, right. And and I agree with you that, that Sinead's pretty pretty much had a short leash, and, and I didn't agree with that early on with Connecticut. Um, but, but it's going to be interesting because I do agree that Nicole Stock is the better of the two. Uh, it's going to be up to Nicole to, to, to kind of show that against this Colton Boston offense. But to talk mm-hmm. more about this Boston pride uh, decision, yeah, you know, I've been kind of riding Kyle on it the past couple of weeks because of Lauren's performance and Brittany Ott's lack thereof of, of a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about this set, EA, in 121 shots based on goal, she's only given up seven goals. Uh, that's mm-hmm. Slobodnik. 
So that's right. 1.22 uh, GAA, while Brittany Ott, she's given up 22 goals. Uh, mm. And, yes, double the games, but that's a 1.93. So I was telling Kyle this last week, I want to ride the hot goalie. And, yeah, it's tough because, I, you know, I think about the decision that BC has to make sometimes where if mm. uh, Katie Burt, you know, suffers a tough loss, you have um, Gabri Sweetai, who's undefeated in her career, uh, behind Katie Burt. So I, right. I understand what, what Kyle is saying, but I also understand that, like you said, Sabonic has bailed out uh, Brittany Yacht in the past month. So if mm-hmm. if it weren't for that, that that record would have been you know tarnished a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Um, and then here you go. So maybe and and you know who's done this? Uh, Chad Wiseman. Uh, he's pulled <laughs> Katie Fitzgerald. He's like, you know what? You need to come here and sit down. Um, the first time he did it, he was like, listen, you're going back in. The second time. He just let it ride. Uh, I was able to speak to Sarah Bryant, and she was like, yeah, the second time I went in, I didn't know how long I was going to be in there. That's not the second string goalie. That is the practice player goalie. And there's a few things that can happen when, when you have, when you have um, someone who is the presumptive number one, is looked at as the leader in the position, that has to sit out. That person can, you know, feel a weight taken off their shoulder. Some people will take it the other way, and they'll be like, listen, that's, that's my spot, and what do I need to do to fix this? What do I need to do to get back where I belong? Another thing that I've heard the Riveters say is that sometimes when you've got a fresh goalie or a young goalie, you want to play well in front of them. You, you want to show that you've got their back. Yeah, I'm obviously figuratively speaking in this, in this case, but, um, you know, um, and so – why not just go with Slobotnik? You know, give her the start. And what's the worst that can happen? You have Brittany Ott come off the bench, someone who's been battle-tested for most of the season and all of last season, someone who the players know how to play with. Give Brittany Ott a rest. Let her take a breather, see how Slobotnik does. And, you know, maybe that's when the short leash makes sense. Because, you know what, it's a one-and-done game. And that's that's a great point. These playoffs are one games, uh, one single game eliminations. They're not like last year where they're a series. So it's going to be really interesting to see who who does get that that start and, and uh, what happens in that series against Connecticut and Boston. But let's talk about the Buffalo Buttes and New York Riveters. The battle for New York, as you call the EA, and this is going to be fun because you mentioned it. It's a physical battle. These teams know how to get physical with each other, and we've seen it not only this year but even last year. Um, so there's a lot to talk about in this series you talk about New York and Buffalo the games that they've had so far this year but let's talk about Buffalo first um I think they also have a, a goaltending decision to make and yeah. it's between Levier or McLaughlin McLaughlin because it's her last season no I don't um the last time the Buffalo Buttes were in New York um they went with McLaughlin um, and McLaughlin actually had a really good game, but again, it was just not enough offense against the Riveters. Levier, as I recall, I, I believe, still has the better record against the New York Riveters. Now, granted, you have to go, you know, if you break, if you really wanted to break it down, home ice versus on the road. Um, but these two teams, I mean, Fitzgerald and Levier, to see that matchup. Oh, man, that's exciting. That's going to be exciting, man. I mean, these two have had epic battles in the beginning of the season. It felt like there was a stretch of time there where one of the New York teams was visiting the other basically every week. And there were some really great high-intensity games, uh, controversial endings. Uh, we had a shootout. We've had overtime. Uh, I think you've got to go with um, – I think you got to go with uh, Levier in this situation. Yeah, and I agree with you on that point as well. I mean, when you see the stats with Amanda against New York, I think you that that tilts the the bar in her favor. And uh, knowing what's at stake, you mentioned it—a one-game winner-take-all. Buffalo trying to ride one more one more shot at this Isabel Cup. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna you know it's gonna be really interesting. And as you mentioned, to see that battle of Levier and Fitzgerald, two sort of you know I guess rookie goaltenders going at it, um, it's gonna be really exciting. So let's talk about New York because everybody has talked about Katie this year, and she's been phenomenal, and she deserves all the credit. But I think there's a plethora of talent on that front line, and even your second unit EA that you know it's so dispersed. The the, the scoring is so 
um, it, it, it's, you know, it's contributed so evenly that no one player gets a, a bunch of love. And do you see it that way with New York? You know, it's, it's one of those things I think I alluded to it earlier. There's been a lot of changes. So right now the top line as far as forwards is Amanda Kessel, Mie Dench, and Janine Weber. So going into the, the first several games of the season, Mie Dench was the leading scorer for the New York Riveters. I mean, just it was almost a guarantee that she was going to get two goals when she was on the ice. Then you have Janine Weber, who she suffered from an injury right around the time that Castle initially got hurt. And then she's come, she's come back healthy. She's come back more aggressive. She's using her size, you know, a little bit more. Uh, case in point, last night on that first goal, just like dirty, filthy, fighting for the puck. And she's seeing the ice so well or seeing the, you know, the goal so well. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe you heard of someone named Amanda Castle, like, she's kind of a big deal. Um, you know, she has come back, and I, I think she has a point in every single game um, that she's played in. And she sees, she sees the eyes so well, sets up her teammates. I alluded to it earlier. You know, maybe other teams look at her uh, as a target and as far as uh, someone to defend, which just opens everyone up, as you said. That's only the top line that we're talking about. Then we have Packer. We have Kaylee Fratkin coming up. Rebecca Russo. Rebecca Russo is another person. Kessel and Russo are amazing passers. It's, it's almost not even fair how well they can get the puck and set up their teammates. Um, so – I think that if the Riveters can stay within their systems, if they can stay patient, uh, they have a really good chance against the Buffalo Buttes. I think the Riveters need to take a lot less penalties than they did against the Pride. Honestly, I'm surprised that they were able to get away with that, but that, that their special teams, their penalty kill was just on the ball. But, again, the Buffalo Buttes, that's where they want to be is on the power play. Um, that's where they, they, you know, live and die. Um, and on the die side, that's when they're on the penalty kill. So if the New York Riveters can maintain their composure, not give up silly fouls, but also draw good penalties, excuse me, not fouls, penalties, we'll get to basketball in a little bit. Um, you know, uh, I think it can go in New York's favor. But again, if New York gets into, into trouble and they're in the penalty box, that is going to favor the Buttes. Absolutely, and I love the point you made about Janine Weber. Right now she's up to fourth in the league in points with 22, 10 goals and 12 assists on the year. Definitely uh, an offensive presence on the season that, that was needed last year. Um, and, and you talked about Kessel. Over two points a game since she's returned in eight games played, she has 18 points. So that's been a huge contribution to this uh, team as well. So I, I, I think you're, you, you made your case in point, EA. So who do you have uh, in the finals? I have... I have New York Riveters and the Boston Pride. That's All right. So sh- that's what I'm going with. All right, a showdown of uh, Boston versus New York. I've got it as well. I, you know, I do. I am. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not worried about Buffalo, New York. I'm worried about Connecticut, Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am. I, you know, if it's a close game, it, it's going to, you know, make my heart kind of shake a little bit. But we'll see. <laughs> um, I yeah. think I think the Pride will pull it off. Um, and I can't wait to see that final at the Songus Center uh, oh, in Lowell this upcoming good. Sunday. It's going to um, be good. All right, EA. Uh, one one quick thing, if you can give me it really quickly. I've got four categories for you. Your quick thoughts on each of them. Goalie okay. of the year, rookie Ooh. of the year, MVP, oh. and coach of the year. Oh, man. All right. I, I think I'll start with what I see to be the easiest category, and I think that's coach of the year. I think okay. Chad Wiseman's got to be coach of the year. Uh, yes, the Riveters are a better team. Well, he just happens to also be the GM, so he can get some credit for that. But you also have to remember that Amanda Kessel has played, what, officially eight games this season out of 18? So there's that. Again, I mentioned earlier, Janine Weber has been hurt. So I think it's got to be Wiseman. As far as goalie of the year, this one's tough. I think a lot of people are looking at Katie Fitzgerald, Brittany Ott, but I think you also have to have Levier in there. But I'm leaning towards Katie Fitzgerald. As far as rookie of the year, whew, this one is tough. I think the, the go-to is probably going to be Alex Carpenter and Rebecca Russo, even Katie Fitzgerald herself. 
but I would also like to see people have Scrupa in that conversation. I know she's on the Connecticut Whale um, having a tough time, but when your debut is a hat trick, I think you have earned that, that respect. So I'm gonna, mm, oh man, that's tough. I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's Carpenter, uh, but I think it's a tight race. And then finally, I believe I'm missing goaltender of the year. Um, no, MVP. Or, oh, MVP, sorry. Okay. Oh, man, MVP, MVP. This one is tough. This one is tough. I think Janine Weber could be in the conversation. I don't think she'll she'll get the nod, but I think she should be a part of the conversation. Um, definitely Brianna Decker. Um, I think your MVP is going to come from the Boston Pride, and I'm going to go... I'm going to go Decker. Right, well, How did I do, Lou? What's your uh, go? That's awesome. I, you know what? I think that you, when well, you hit it on time-wise, you hit it perfectly. Um, <laughs> and, and you know what? I think I agree with you on almost every single category. You said Fitzgerald for goalie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Wiseman for GM. Yep. Or coach of the year, sorry. Yep. Um, yep. Haley Skarupa, rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think it's tough. You know, Janine Weber and Brianna Decker are both my two votes. Um, if I had to choose, I, you know, I don't want to be a homer, but looking at Brianna Decker's stats, I love 14 goals and 17 assists. So I'd have to give it to her. And I, yeah, that's, that's great. So we agree on that. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, we'll see what Kyle has, uh, Kyle has this week and we'll, we'll, we'll shout him out on yeah. Twitter somehow with, uh, with his vote. <laughs> so that wraps up our, our professional hockey talk. The EA, we had some college hockey, some elite eight action. The NCAA quarterfinals went down this week. Uh, and what a weekend it was. We have four teams advancing to the Frozen Four in St. Charles, Missouri. Um, let's first start with number one, Wisconsin. They defeat Robert Morris 7-0. to The Badgers score six goals in the first two periods. Emily uh, Clark scores twice, and Anne Renee Debiens, she made 22 saves in the victory. Your thoughts on this matchup, EA? Well, you know, I said it, I said it yesterday, or excuse me, last week. You know, I just thought it, would, it was a little unfortunate for Robert Morris to, to pull Wisconsin in the drawer because I didn't think it was going to adequately show the type of season Robert Morris had. But with that said, I mean, Wisconsin's number one for a reason, right? Um, you know, I just I just think we saw Wisconsin flip, flip on that switch and they are in a, a space that being in, in the postseason that they're very comfortable with and, and teams like that are going to fire on all cylinders. And so I think that's what we saw. Absolutely. Fourth consecutive Frozen Four appearance for the Badgers. Uh, They'll take the winner of St. Lawrence and Boston College. And EA, this was a surprise for many. A 6-0 blowout for the Eagles against St. Lawrence. Four goals in the second period. Two short-handed. All six goals come come from six different players. And Katie Burt makes 24 saves in this matchup. EA, your thoughts on Boston College's win? You know, maybe BC just uh, wanted to make sure they stayed away from overtime, huh? Um, <laughs> uh, again, I think, um, well, we could say this about, honestly, the, the next two teams that advanced as well. Um, just kind of locked in, um, not wanting to, to leave anything to chance. And, um, I mean, that second period, ridiculous. Um, and, and the distribution that we saw. Uh, that's what's going to be dangerous um, for other teams as Boston moves forward. Absolutely. And number two, Clarkson, they defeat Cornell in a rematch of the ECAC championship, this time in the quarterfinals of the NCAA. Lauren Gable, she scores a hat trick in this matchup, and Shea Tiley makes 22 saves on 23 shots. Clarkson looks good. They look uh, ready for a redemption run. What do you think, EA? Does Clarkson, uh, does Clarkson kind of Give you any any like, hey, I can see them making a run. I think Clarkson is definitely a team on the rise. I think they have um, have played, especially last season, with like a little chip on their shoulder and really wanting to show that you know they can hang with with the uh, with the the big guns there. And I, I think they're starting to build and, and develop into that. But when you look at uh, two of the teams that we've already mentioned, um, but especially Wisconsin, and we're about to get to Minnesota. Uh, I think Clarkson's going to really have to to kick it into another gear, um, and again, just be ready to to withstand um, you know the, the firepower that's that's going to come their way. 
absolutely great point. And you mentioned uh, Minnesota. Minnesota defeats Minnesota Duluth. Uh, this was a rematch of the ECAC semifinal where Minnesota Duluth went on to lose to Wisconsin in the final. So the uh, the Gophers, excuse me, get some redemption and they move on to the Frozen Four yet again. The defending champs. This time they'll play Clarkson, and this is a rematch of the 2014 national championship where Clarkson defeated Minnesota and became the only East Coast team to win a championship in the history of the NCAA. EA, what do you see? Clarkson versus uh, Clarkson versus Minnesota in that Frozen Four. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Um, again, Clarkson, I think they, they want to have, have something to prove, that history, they have a little bit of that going for them. Do, you know, they want to mirror that part of history, obviously. But, I mean, Minnesota um, is a team that, they've been consistent in the last several years and making it to the dance, so to speak. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think it'll be a good game. I don't think that we'll see the scores that we saw um, leading up to the frozen four. Um, but I, I'm, I think my, my gut's telling me to, to stick with Minnesota on that one. All right. So Minnesota. And in the other matchup, you have Wisconsin, the number one team in the nation versus Number four, Boston College. This is a goaltending battle, to say the least. You have Katie Burt, who has 80, 88 career victories, and Anne Renee Debiens, who's up close to over 100 uh, in, in their careers. EA, this is going to be fun. What are your thoughts on this matchup? It is going to be fun. As you mentioned, definitely a goalie battle, which means uh, what is the offense going to be able to, to put up and do? Uh, both teams obviously have the capabilities as we see from those score lines to, to really uh, take it to teams. Um, and I think that not so much in the case of, at least from my perspective, as with Clarkson, Minnesota, I think it's a little bit more um, of, a, of an even go round. I think that Boston college plays as a team that's um, almost a little wise beyond their years or experience um, in the tournament. And so I think that is going to play out. Uh, I think they're really moving as a, as a program in the direction as far as, you know, you have to believe that you're, you're, you're a top team to be a top team. And I think that they have um, been stringent on their, on their systems and, and just kind of the, how they approach um, everything as far as the, the program is concerned. And I think that's really led to the success that we've seen, particularly in the last two years. But with that said, Wisconsin's got a lot of history on their side and a very good goalie. Um, so I don't know. I'm leaning towards Wisconsin. Sorry there, Lou, uh, but I'm leaning towards Wisconsin on that. Absolutely. I think, it, I, you know, no worries. I think you're right. I think this could be a toss-up for, for any, uh, any of the offenses to step up, and, and the question is which one will. Uh, we've mm -hmm. seen Wisconsin go into the Frozen for the last three years in fall. This might be the year they break through. Um, I can't go against my Eagles. I'm sorry. I know, I know <laughs> professional duties, you know, rely on me to be professional, but this is, this is more personal. I would love to see Minnesota in the championship. I would love to see uh, Boston College defeat Minnesota uh, in the national championship this year. So that's my, that's my, that's my prediction, and I'm, I'm sticking to it. Go, go for it. <laughs> All right, so from one college sport to the next, we had our NCAA special last week for hockey. Now we had it this week for basketball. The team, the, excuse me, the field of 64 has been set. It was just released at 7 p.m. Eastern time today. So we have our matchups. EA, obviously UConn, the number one overall seed, 107 consecutive wins, the only undefeated team remaining uh, in the field of 64. Their first matchup will be against Albany. But here's the interesting thing. Syracuse, Iowa's the 8-9 in their, in their uh, Bridgeport region. So we can see a Cuse versus UConn rematch. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts about this UConn region? Well, um, you know, UConn number one, we kind of knew that. I think there's a lot of uh, discussion about that 2-3. Uh, so you see Maryland is actually the three seed, although they, um, you know, really had a great game against UConn. Um, but they end up with the three seed, and they'll play Bucknell, Duke, uh, at number two gets Hampton, and uh, you know since you're you know you gave you gave your alma mater a shout out, I'm gonna go to number eleven in the bracket in the region of Bridgeport Regional, and that is Elon University. That's right, 
the Phoenix make their first appearance in the NCAA tournament by defeating three-time CAA champions JMU, um, and they will take on West Virginia. West Virginia is the number six seed. They are uh, going to be in College Park on Friday, actually. And uh, Coach Charlotte Smith, uh, former UNC Tar Heel player and assistant coach, is uh, at the helm at Elon, and she's feeling confident. Uh, you know, she said something uh, after the selection show in, in that first piece of the show, and she said, you know, we're not here to participate that's been um, a slogan that Elon has been using under under her wing for a while. We're not here to participate. We're here to win. And West Virginia and Elon have faced off in the last several years. Um, and Charlotte Smith is is ready to, um, you know, put Elon on, on the map and, and, and be that team that can uh, come and, and make a splash in their bracket. So, again, just had to give some radio time to my alma mater, Elon University, Phoenix, Elon, North Carolina, bon chance as they head to College Park on Friday. Well, and yeah, I'll say this: you better watch out for those Elon that Elon team um, because not only are they an 11 seed that could potentially pull off a big upset against West Virginia, but this is a team that has a five point loss against UNC and a seven point loss against Duke. Mm-hmm. Duke, I against believe, Duke. is the number two. Number yes. two uh, seed in their region, so that yes. that I'm just saying. And the only other couple of losses were to JMU, and they avenged that loss in the championship uh, with, right. with an 18 point performance. So watch out for that Phoenix team; they, they they're going to be dangerous in this NCAA tournament. That's right. And you know, you mentioned uh, Duke women's basketball. The Duke women's basketball coach, uh, Joan McCalley. I'm just here to let y'all know. Uh, she might work for Duke, but she's an Elon fan, as her daughter uh, actually plays and attends Elon. Uh, so I think that'll be interesting. They've already um, gone head-to-head this season, and, and if we were able to, to see that again in the tournament, no less, well, that, that'd be something else. Uh, anyway, so that is the, the Bridgeport Regional, and now let's head over to uh, Baylor. Things get started. Baylor, the number one seed. Uh, takes on Texas Southern Tennessee uh, back in the tournament, goes against Louisville, uh, and then we have uh, Washington also. So what are you seeing uh, from here, Lou? Yeah, no, I think you mentioned it. I think uh, Tennessee and and Louisville can meet in the next round. I think Tennessee takes on Dayton while Louisville takes on Chattanooga in the first round. And, yeah, I just I know, I know we talked about Nuga last week. Why they got to do Chattanooga like that? Facing off against Louisville in the first round? Really? Come on, committee. You got to do something better than that. That's like sticking Maryland as a three-seed against UConn. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Chattanooga has been definitely a team, and I know we talked about it, that um, is really coming up on the rise. And and to go against uh, such a tried-and-true team like Louisville, a team that was looking to spoil – early on what South Carolina had going on um, and, and looked like they might be able to do it for a while. Didn't quite come to fruition. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it's tough, but you know, those are the breaks as they say. So uh, let's see what Chattanooga can do. Um, and again, you know, as, as uh, Charlotte Smith said, they just got to think and know that they're not there to just participate. Uh, crazy things happen. That's why it's March madness, baby. Absolutely. And as we move down in this bracket, you, you asked about what else I see. Well, we talked about that Bridgeport region having Maryland and Duke as the two and three, uh, or the three and the two respectively. We have another uh, another three, two kind of uh, hold on here committee. Washington at number three and Mississippi State at number two. Um, I, I do think this gets interesting because above Washington in their first round is Oklahoma and Gonzaga, and that game's in Washington, basically a home game for the Zags. Mm-hmm. So I think we can see a, a Washington uh, Gonzaga matchup in that round of 32, and I think that's going to be really interesting if it gets there. But Mississippi State is a really good team. I think that they'll play DePaul in the next round uh, and work their way uh, through the bracket. Mississippi State's a team that's kind of flown under the radar. Not a lot of media outlets talking about them, but I do think they're really good. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Mississippi State is is one of those teams that, you know, they've already 
um, been able to see, if you will, a little bit of an upset this season um, and, and another team that's hanging tight when it comes to these number one seeds, not just South Carolina, but also UConn. Um, and, and so this is a team that even from last year, you know, we have seen good things from Mississippi State and they just keep growing and getting stronger. And um, I'm excited to, to see what happens uh, with them in that bracket. Absolutely, and uh, you talked about number one seeds, and you mentioned South Carolina. They get the number one seed in the Stockton region. Uh, they'll take on UNC Asheville in the first round. They have a potential big meeting against ASU or uh, Michigan State in that second round, but I think how SC has been uh, performing late this season, I think they'll be ready for those uh, early matchups. I think it will be a big test when they get to the later rounds, but I'm not going to lie, EA, I think this might be one of the easier, I think this might be the easiest bracket or, or the the easiest uh, side of the bracket for any of the number one seeds? Um, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Um, and I, I, I kind of pause just because, I mean, South Carolina should be able to, to, to make its way through. Um, but there have been holes at times in South Carolina's game. I think also just is South Carolina healthy right now? Um, and again, it's March Madness for a reason. Um, so I, I do agree um, that, I mean, UConn, again, hello, Duke, Maryland, you heard of them? Uh, you know, UConn, and for, for a UConn team that we've, we've said is maybe a little rocky, they're really going to have to prove and earn that 107-game win streak that they're, they're able to ride. Um, and I think South Carolina – if you want to argue that this is, uh, you know, an easier road, I think what South Carolina is, what would behoove them for them to do is really start focusing on what type of team and what kind of game they want to play. Because I have no doubts, I said it last year, I have no doubts that Don Staley can do amazing things, continues to do amazing things for South Carolina. But now it's time for South Carolina, for the players to decide and to, to be empowered. Well, they've already been empowered, but to decide, to make a conscious choice, to put everything together because they've got it all. And so that's what I'd like to see South Carolina be able to do and focus and get to a point where it doesn't matter who they're playing and what is across the chest of the jerseys of the other team. South Carolina is going to play South Carolina basketball. That's what I'd like to see. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it does seem like an easy bracket, but as you mentioned, uh, anything can happen. We've seen upsets before. We, I mean, I've been a big fan of, uh, fan of Florida State all year long, and they're the number three seed on this side of the bracket. Oregon State as well as the number two seed, so an FSU-Oregon State matchup in the in the following rounds could proceed. Uh, but you also look at that Miami team, and if they can get past Florida Gulf Coast, if they can work their way uh, into the round of 16 um, and potentially play that South Carolina team, I think that could be a really good matchup because you talk about physicality uh, and teams matching up with each other. I think those two uh, can do that. But, EA, let's move to the last part of the bracket. With Notre Dame taking the number one seed, we see Kentucky on this side, number three, Texas, and even Stanford. Um, this is also a loaded side of the bracket. What are your thoughts on this, uh, this end? Um, you know, I think that Texas is a team that, that you want to look for. Obviously, Stanford. Um, you know, um, Kentucky as the number four, I think that's solid, but I think Kentucky's still a team that, that's got some figuring out to do. Uh, you know, Robert Morris uh, over here, that could be interesting. Um, but again, just like that other Robert Morris team, they just so happen to start with uh, the number one seed in Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if March is, is that mad, uh, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, and, I, you know, everybody I, – I always hate when people say, oh, there's never been a 16 over one. Well, there has. It was Harvard. They did yeah. it. They were 16, and they made they, they made tournament history when they became the first ever 16 seed to upset a one seed. So it's possible. Um, it's possible. But as 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 you said, I just we we don't see it happening here this yeah. year. Yeah. Well, um, maybe not. <laughs> we'll see what 2018 brings. We'll see. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Also um, got a quick news here. Oh, oh, sorry. Yep, I just wanted to say no. I wanted to get your thoughts on Purdue. You know, they they um they are a team that I, I think um 
could be interesting. I think it could go either way. Obviously, they're the 8-9 game. So what do you see coming out of that 8-9 in that side of the bracket? No, I, I think that's a that's a, that's a great team to bring up. EA, I know they're uh, they're gonna play Green Bay. I, I think they they won't struggle with Green Bay that much. I, I think the thing with Purdue is they started off rough. They lost to Maine, lost to Nova, uh, lost to SIU in their first three or four. Um, but the thing is, they play up to their opponents. You know, they only lost yeah. to Stanford by I think seven points. Um, there was yeah. another big game that I think I remember watching on TV. I think it was against Maryland uh, recently, where it was a ten point game. So they can play against these top tier teams. It all right. depends what team shows up. They have a big win against yeah. Ohio State recently yeah. as well. So yeah, exactly. um, Purdue, Purdue is definitely a team to watch out for. I don't think they have the talent to beat Notre Dame, um, but I do think that they have the talent to beat Green Bay in that first round. All right. We shall see. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun tournament. It's a, it's, it's a fun time here. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, March <laughs> March is uh we we got we're get, we're gonna be busy in the next week or so, huh? Yeah, with with all this madness and then the start of more sports, I'm I'm excited. It's it's spring springtime's coming, so it's a, it's gonna be a busy time here at the at my W. That's right. All right, so uh, <laughs> we don't have our football football uh, transition here, but let's talk about some some American soccer. Uh, so we had the She Believes Cup, and, you know, Lou, I think it was you who asked me, you know, was I worried about the United States? And I said, ah, let's see what happens against France. And then we saw what happened against France. So um, USA hosts the second-ever She Believes Cup. They go from first to worst. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, watching this start for France, I was stunned. Um, but it wasn't a surprise because I think we talked about it during the show that there's still some figuring out to do with this team. Mm-hmm. And if you expect them to be successful and you expect them to win these games by four or five goals, then, then right. you're just being naive. Um, right. This is a team that we're trying to figure out for two or three years down the road. Not, hey, let's win these games and be the greatest team forever now. It's about the future decision of the program, and I'm all on board. As a fan, as a media person, I think this is a great idea, and we get to see some of the best young talent that our country has to offer working with some of the best veteran players our country has to offer. And I like it. And you can see some of the frustration on Carly Lloyd's face during the game. Um, and, and that's how us fans feel. So it's a growing mm-hmm. process, and it's part of accepting this team as, as your own. Yeah, I think you said a lot of really great things there. I think, um, obviously, it's frustrating. I think this is this is what um, perhaps UConn fans always fear and uh, what, what those who sip, sip on the haterade Uh, always hope for and that's again like you said a transitioning team when you're used to blowing out opponents it's not a matter of if but by how much um, a draw is a disappointment let alone being shut out but again these are four of the top five teams in the world all of whom are balancing um, new talent it's not just the United States uh, we know that Germany, we know that France have had a lot of um, big profile retirements. This is across women's soccer, all right, at the international level, and then also when we talk about the domestic league. So, you know, the USA is not the only team that's struggling. It's just that we're hyper alert and aware because for a long time, again, I'll go back to what I said about the Boston Pride. When you look at the record, when you look at the scoreline, you sometimes miss what the opportunities are for a team that on paper is very dominant. And so now we're being forced to take a really hard look at this USA team. There are some people calling for Jill Ellis's head already. Now, there are some things (laughs) that I don't like that she has done. I think I've been very open and honest about that. I do think it's a little bit early. Um, Also do believe uh, she, as in me, believes that she did not earn necessarily a lot of, or I should say, she was not solely responsible for a lot of, of the USA success. So I think we need to give her a little bit of time, but I also think that if she's not able to rebuild, it could be interesting knowing how USA expects USA to play. 
Yeah, and what the expect- expectation of these other teams getting better. I like that point that you brought up about France. Like, a lot of people don't expect Sweden and France and England to be better. Um, that's the whole point of the, of the growth of the game is that so these other nations can compete. And it sure enough shows that in the past years they've gotten able to – they've gotten to the point where they can compete with USA. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I know we've spoken about a lot, Lou, but what are some other things that we should keep uh, in mind as we close out this show? Absolutely. So BMP Paredes Open right now going on, the round of uh, the third round's going on. You can still catch action on ESPN. Turn that on if you want. Uh, Inchley Kerber had to go through three sets to advance this afternoon. Uh, an epic battle there. You could, again, catch the replay on ESPN.com. Venus just defeated Safarova in straight sets. And also in NPF News, NPF and Anderson Bat Company, they partner up for this upcoming season. Uh, a lot of great things happening. And as always, you can follow us on social media at MyWS sports uh, on any other social media forums as we bring you Motivational Monday, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and Friday Favorites. Again, follow us at Sports or visit us at MyWSports.com. Uh, for Eric Ayala, I'm Luis Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in to MyWSports Sports Sunday.